Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week, except for last week, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Fatally Yours. Except for last week. You know what would be a really good idea for us, for Patreon? Patreon.com slash as you were. Our next incentive, those little candy hearts, but we do Alkaline Trio candy hearts, Mm. and we could have one that says, Fatally Yours. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I don't know anyone who makes candy. I don't know how much candy costs. Well, that's all like, uh, that's one company, right? Neko or something makes all of those things. But Neko went out of business. Neko did go out of business, but I think they got bought back. Yeah, I think they got saved by another Massachusetts company. Saved! Neko. Neko was saved. Thank goodness. Yes. Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim. His name is David. Correct. And he was sick last week. Yes. And then I got sick this week. Awesome. I feel like like this entire city is just getting everyone else sick. Everyone I know has been or currently is sick yeah i got i got blamed for uh making somebody sick at work even though i left work after two hours i was just standing there and i was like nope yeah i gotta go and then i went home and i spent 36 hours basically being nothing of a person and sure. then i went back to work yeah that's the way to do it oh it's terrible it's terrible but spring is upon us finally and god i haven't seen you in a minute i know it's been a while it's My been a little bit god it's so great to be back talking about another song from good morning We've, uh, I feel like Good Morning is the record we talked about most somehow. I don't, maybe my memory is failing me, but that's how it feels. Good Morning and God Damn It are running a close race. Yeah, which, fitting, honestly. I could talk about those two records probably more than most. I could definitely talk about those two records more than most, but ironically, irony alert, um, we got a Good Morning song that you and I both kind of talked about not having as much yes. to talk about. Yes, we've alluded to it because in a previous episode we paired, I would say maybe the song I feel I have the least to say about from Good Morning, Donner Party, with a song from uh, My Shame is True because I saw a lot of parallel parallels in terms of like storytelling and lyrics and even the music a little bit. And in that episode I kind of mentioned that there's two songs on Good Morning I kind of always, I don't want to say forget about or low rate, but just kind of like there's kind of there there's the album tracks and, and fatally yours is one of them it's not like when i think of good morning i'm not like oh man i cannot wait to get to fatally yours i can't wait but here's the thing about fatally yours it and we'll get into it it's not exactly a standout track but thinking about it in terms of where it lies in the mix whether it's the seventh song on your CD or the first song mm-hmm. on the second side of your LP. Yes. Perfect. No, honestly, yeah. I mean, revisiting it in a vacuum is kind of a weird task because I try to always start with that. So when this kind of came up in our, our roll of the dice, I was like, oh, like I don't know if I'm going to have much to say about it. And then listening to it, I kind of saw more in it 
than I had previously, but I think that's really the the true fact of it. The reason I think Good Morning's so strong is because it just has like those album cuts where it's like this serves a purpose in a way that like if it wasn't there, it would feel like a real big hole. Right, and I think that Good Morning is really, the second half of it is just such a coming out party for Dan. Dan's obviously, yeah. you know, he's had... Uh, a title track for an EP has had a title track for an LP. It's not like he's not firmly established as a contributor, you know, at least like a one thirds contributor to this band, but he's never had back to back songs and he's never been so dominant on a side of a record or a, a half of a disc. So probably the biggest departure of any that is made on on good morning is the is every thug needs a lady and just yeah. the opening and the fact that there's an acoustic guitar underneath an electric guitar for the entire time oh my god this isn't the band that i know yeah yeah i mean i think i've said it on this thing before but like really you see dan's songwriting blossom on this record it's not to like low rate matt because some of my favorite matt songs are on good morning but like this is the the B side of this record is really maybe a side blue in the face notwithstanding, which I think is like a, a very like big fan favorite kind of track. The B side is Matt just like kind of like, all right, Dan's got it. Here's something different. It's such an interesting dynamic that exists on this record because I think that what you really see on the first half is Matt goes so far into this like a compare so many songs on that record to movie songs because they've all just got this feel and it's it's you know kind of the point that he really really full-on departs from the goddamn it where it's it's so much him this one is just like him as a storyteller and really really getting into you know kind of the goth guy territory that might draw him out a little bit too much later on sure but dan to counterpoint it it's just such expansive songwriting yes. and it's taking, you know, softer directions. He's so forthcoming with mm-hmm. so much of this, of the second half of this record is just Dan talking about this relationship that he's in yeah, and exploring different tones and what could be better to set that up to really just express the fact that this is going to be different than throwing a two minute and 16 second burner yeah yeah i mean it's funny because lyrically this song is like the exact evolution of dude from god damn it who just made from here to infirmary like you kind of mash those two things together that's what fatal years is it's got those like kind of cheesy kind of straightforward clever lines but it's it's just a little darker you know it's just a little bit but like it's funny because Man Dan, great on this record, but really what this song shows to me, and, and this is something I thought about listening to it a few times today, this is really establishing Derek's presence in the band because he does not play a fast punk song the way Glenn does or the way uh, Mike Falumley does. He plays it like himself, and you see so much of that in here where it's kind of got that little hi-hat shuffle up top that Glenn was so fond of, 
but it's really quick. It's really zippy. He does a lot of like very fast cymbal washes and it just kind of feels like this song does not feel like an alkaline trio song preceding it in the straightforward punk way. Um, it's always felt like, oh, this is a dude who plays very, very differently and can play super fast without losing the fact that like, oh, there's some personality here. Right. It's kind of the Jake Don Green Beers energy, but it's a little dialed in. Yes. And you feel like the energy that Derek puts into it, I think very smartly presents itself in the fact that this is a song that structurally two verses, a chorus, a verse, a chorus. This is a Matt song, but the fact that it just blows through it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't extend things. There's not, you know, a repeat of an intro riff, anything like that to, uh, to make this anything more than it needs to be. It just starts and then it goes 60 miles an hour to the finish. Yeah, and I think when you look at what comes next on the B-side of Every Thug Needs a Lady, Blue Caroline, all these songs, Derek is so good at playing back. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's doing so much in those songs so subtly that, like, you don't even really think about them. Like, because it's just like, oh, yeah, it just kind of blooms and, excuse me, in that way. And it's nice to see, like, I think at the time he was getting a lot of hate for being the dude who changed direction or like whatever it was it was an easy thing to kind of point out right new guys fucking it up but like when you see him play a song like this it's like no he can like race through one and keep it on the track you know because it's a very simple you know just like straightforward four four pattern and then really kind of open it up in ways that a lot of punk drummers are not able to it's it's just one of those things when i actually kind of analyzed and broke it down there are these just super subtle moments that i think make this song a little more interesting than i often give it credit for right because it's it doesn't beat you over the head yeah with it and it doesn't stop itself for you to notice it Mm -hmm. um i think that derek is so good at doing a lot of subtle things doing like those cymbal washes that you wouldn't really anticipate coming from anybody else. And the fact that this song drives the way that it does, it's, yeah, it's very locked in Mm -hmm. and it stays that way. And I just love how Matt is really just singing something that shit out in 15 minutes. Oh yeah. And he's so locked into, to that, He's just almost too clever for his own good, but he's actually exactly as clever as he really should be. Yeah, there are some pretty cool little lines in here, you know, and he delivers them kind of so quickly that I think it's it's really interesting because obviously his voice on Good Morning is unlike anything else because of it being kind of damaged and him being kind of fucked up, but it really lends itself to this style of song in a way that I think like, gives it a weird edge in a sense like this song is very playful and fun and kind of straightforward not musically dark in any way but that little bit of grit on his voice really makes it work in a way that i think if if it was him five years later it it just wouldn't sell the same way no it definitely wouldn't and i think that if you listen to this song compared to the rest of the record this really sounds like it's 
the last or the second to last song that he really does a vocal take for it because he is so ravaged yes during this one in particular yeah um it, i really do like the fact though that this has almost the same exact story of this could be love yeah but it's yeah. just it's so light in comparison yeah we're th- i was thinking about that just because of like the fire kind of reference and all this shit that's kind of you know literal <laughs> literal and figuratively right. uh kind of shared between these two songs it's funny to me because like yeah like this could be love is more of a when you think of it like oh it's a very definable song that's a song that if someone had not heard this band, I would probably be like, oh, you should. It's kind of a yeah, thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one, not so much, but like, I don't know. I kind of really enjoy it for what it is at this point. Like, I wouldn't say it's top 10, top 20, maybe even top 50 Alkaline Trio songs. But like, I don't know. It does something that is so functional, which they never really did on records up until this one. And I think it's why you know, Good Morning really excels in so many ways. It's like you ever see a movie that's not spectacularly great Mm -hmm. and you can kind of see just the structure of it and the the plot and all the specific things, but at the same time, it's done well enough to where you can just enjoy it and it's not going to change your life, but you're not going to be upset about the hour and a half that you spent watching it or the 12 bucks that you spent going to see it. And when I think it speaks to the fact that like this song works because it's two minutes on a record where there's not really other songs doing this. I've always struggled with bands where it's like, Oh, they write songs like this and there's 14 of them on an LP. Yeah. And they don't really stand out. You know, like I think this song doesn't really stand out, but it's kind of not supposed to, it's very functional. You know, the, the first half is so fucking dark in Matt's shit. The B side is so kind of not not dark but lighter. It's more open. Yeah, so it's kind of expanding in ways, really kind of driven by Dan. You kind of need a song like this in the middle to just kind of jolt you and feel like, all right, we're back in this, dude. Because it it's so fucking bleak. Yeah, I, you get to all on black and it's like, oh my god, like someone died. Like yeah, someone yeah, yeah. is is like leaving, you know, a shitty world behind. Also. There was literal shit back there, too. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So, I mean, Emma does that to a certain extent, and then I I think that that wraps up the first side of it nicely. And Fatally Yours, it's just like, let me take all of the things from the first half that we liked, and let me just do something cute. Yeah. Like, it's it's almost like someone challenged him to write a song called Fatally Yours. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do wonder sometimes how much he just, like, writes down a title and is like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to build up to that. Tune in next week. Yep. Um, uh, well, here's the thing about it, though, because for all of the lightness that that exists on it lyrically, I've also – I've there's something that has really stuck out to me about the lyrics and just the moments of, you know, I had a friend that needed me. Um, these, these little instances where it's not like he opens up a world of depth, but he establishes that there's something behind the story. It's not just, you know, you, you fucked up a relationship and now someone's pissed at you and you're writing a song about it. It's like, no, things happen behind it. And I, I think that there's, that there's, it's probably a testament to, 
where Matt is in his writing and the fact that he is throwing out something so quickly that's sure. so functional and so light, but also he's able to spruce in the fact that there is some body to it. No, totally. I mean, I think I think it speaks to a lot of what had come before, really. You know, like, there's a little bit of, like, I, I find it very interesting that the chorus opens with, and if it's okay. Like, that's yeah. such an interesting detail and, and approach. But you're right. There is a lot of, like, okay, I'm writing this straightforward thing, but I think he was really kind of locked into, like, I'm going to make this word choice or kind of extend this illusion just by like three or four words and so, and like that really does add to it in a way that is i don't want to say subtle because he's rarely that uh-huh but like is subtle for what he's trying to achieve right you know because he could have taken this a really different way in a way that i think like would just kind of really fall flat but i think on this record you really look at it and you can I think a certain person could look at it and kind of make fun of what's happening and the lyrics and yada, 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 and the imagery. But I really think if, if this record wasn't that black and red, like graveside cover image, I don't think people would view it the way they do. I think it's, I think everything is heightened because of the way it's presented in the artwork. But when you really dig into it, it's there, but he's not really laying it on that fucking thick. You know, there's stuff on infirmary that's, way more going for that right thinking it's way more clever than it maybe is you know and i think this is just he'd worked out the kinks and he knew what he wanted to go for and he was just able to do it in a way that felt you know kind of goofy kind of smart but really ultimately i think effortless yeah totally and the you know the movement that exists in this song and just the way he's able to just comfortably go through things and toss off lines as if there's not too much thought that's put into him, but then when you stop and you and you look and you say, "Oh wow, there's more there than I really gave credit to." Yeah, I mean, I always thought the "You told me that you missed me," you meant with the girl and hood is like a very simple, but right. like that's that's so he he's playing with imagery more than he has in a lot of respects. You know, I think you know, "God damn it" and maybe "I'll catch fire" are very much just kind of like this is what it is, but. And, like, From Here to Infirmary is trying to work in wordplay, some of it great, some of it utterly meaningless, which, fine. And, and then this is really just kind of marrying those two. I, I think it's always been a great kind of example of, like, it does a little bit of everything that you've liked previously. It definitely sets up what comes next and maybe becomes the blueprint for just, like, very simple tropes. But in that vacuum of just the album, it's, it's really kind of strong and it's really kind of singular, especially at that moment where it's like, oh, shit, I've not seen them do this thing before. And it's interesting, I think, to think about the attack of this song where it's a guitar attack that you're not really used to seeing with the Alkaline yeah. Trio. That's a big ass chord that he's playing. Yeah, it is. And listen to a song like this and then go listen to Joyce Manor because I feel uh. like this is a really, really good tentpole for the pop punk bands that come 10 years after the fact who are saying, we think that a verse and a chorus is fine. Totally. Totally. I mean, I think that's an interesting observation. I wouldn't have drawn that line, but it makes a lot of sense, you it, know, because I we've talked before. I think it's very hard to like, re like recreate God damn it. It's really hard to recreate. Maybe they'll catch fire. 
recreating Good Morning, I can see that a little more. Definitely. Um, let's talk about a thing that we uh, sorted out in pre-pro, the mm-hmm. fact that I said, I posed the question, do you know how, do you know why the track skips? And you said, what are you talking about? And I said, I don't know. I really don't know anything. That's the whole point of this show is to just make me look, because the second chorus, off the handle, you open fire at me. What is it? It's a staccato. It's a beat. Yeah. He pulls the beat back. But it sounds like Matt's voice wavers as if it was a CD that skipped. And when I was driving home from Best Buy one day in 2003, four, four, two. Uh, It's all blurring. I think three. Um, Probably three. I'm like, what's wrong with my CD? And then I talked to my friends and everybody had that. I thought it skipped. I I thought that the master skipped or something. I mean, you're not wrong. I did. Hey, as you were, podcast at gmail.com, please back me up here. Just just say, hey, Tim, I thought so too. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people did. I just, I don't know. Derek pulls back in the drum, does that like staccato, just like snare hit and kind of. Well, well, and and oh, yeah, yeah, it's just Matt singing to the. the He's just scatting. Because that's the only part where the. Scat skiba? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, also appropriate for this record. Uh,. This is the only part of the song where anything changes rhythmically, though. Yeah. Like, you know, because he pulls back a little bit, Derek does, but, like, he's still playing fast, and he's still maintaining that momentum, and he's kind of opening it up, and he's doing a lot of, like, you know, really kind of fast beat stuff in the chorus, but this is the one part where it's like, dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, and it's just, like, so quick, and it's that kind of speaks to what I was talking about. I was like, no other drummer in this band up to that point could do that in such a quick... Right setting like that's very very fast and it's a more difficult part to pull off than i think people realize you know when you're playing that fast to just throw in that super sharp fill that's not a roll in any sense like that's really tricky to do well i remember somebody saying to me oh i think that derek's just playing a staccato beat there and then i said impossible true true you did hey we we found plenty to talk about i think we did this week on as you were a podcast about alkaline trio where most weeks we are in good health and we are back to it baby back and better than ever oh better yet what hey i gotta say if you like what you're hearing i figured it out i figured it out uh why don't you go and tell a friend about it Tell two friends if you got two friends. If you've got two friends, they probably want to know about this podcast. And also go ahead and, and rate it and write a review uh, and share it in, in whatever way you feel comfortable. And, hey, you know, David and I, at, at, at this point, we are already millionaires. Thanks to our pledgers on patreon.com slash as you were. But... We could be billionaires, and that's where you come in. I would like a house with 14 toilets. I would like to buy a second house that I could connect to. Mm, yeah. yes, a satellite house, uh-huh. if you will. A satellite house for me to go over and use the turlet. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that house is for pooping. This house is not for poop. But hey, uh, tell that to Matt Skiba. Patreon.com slash as you were. We got a lot of cool bonus audio content over there, some swag. And uh, yeah, it's just a great community for us to hang and talk about us. And that's, I mean, that's my my third favorite subject is us. Fourth favorite, the Alkaline Trio. Uh, yeah, tracks. But hey, we will be back next week with a song that we don't like quite as much, but we still got some stuff to talk about, and we look forward to doing that. Big shout out to David from Detroit. Came and fucking visited me at my coffee shop. So great. Hung so out. Great. Oh, so sick. And I invite any of you out there to come visit me but i invite all of you to also come back next week I'm failing.